Spice, Music Biz 101 and More radio show and podcast. I am your professor, David Kirk Thope, along with the most wonderful in the world, Professor Dr. Steve Marconi. You look great today, Dr. No, Steve. No, I have a cold. I got it last night. And we but feel you look great. You look marvelous. I've got a. <laughs> look how was your week? Billy Crystal. The week has been great. Really? I'm uh, two weeks into my much. brand new haircut, and uh, I feel like I've really grown into it. Right. Well, you know the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut. No. A couple of days. So, <laughs> you, I do. Anyway, so who do we have tonight? Uh, we have a number of people in this. We've got 50 people in the studio with Live. us tonight. Very crowded. I know. Very crowded studio. Body to body. Uh, we have our guest, Joe Riccatelli, who we'll get into in just a moment. But let's clap for Joe Riccatelli. Joe Riccatelli. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah. That's right. And then we have Carrie Ravito, who is our student co-host of the night. Carrie Ravito. Carrie Ravito. There we go. Of course, we have uh, Bianca Russo, who is, our, who is our producer tonight. So we're, we're surrounded... Look at it. We have Russo, Riccatelli, Ravito, Marconi. I'm surrounded by Italians. I think so. And I'm right. Philp. And there we go. We have Jess, who's taking pictures of us tonight. There we Hi, go. Jess. Jess. Jess from Marketing. And Jess's last name? Talos. Talos? Yep. Yeah, Jess Talos. Oh, there we go. She's Greek. There we go. So. Okay, she's German. Okay. Uh, this, the rest of the show will be brought to you by the uh, Republic of Germany. And then we also have, just in the background, for those of you who are playing at home, Spencer Scott from Institutional Advancement, William Patterson University. <laughs> Get a shout-out, Spencer. Yeah, Working late. Kicking it, Spencer. The song we heard at the beginning was The World Is Ours by the Ally Mack Project, vocals by the lovely and wonderful Allison McKenzie. And we should remind you right off the bat, Music Biz 101 and more. Go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. Follow us, hang out with us, talk to us, engage with us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. And, of course, you can hear all of these podcasts on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes Radio. Quick, now, before we go any further, yes, we have a special event coming up, Monday, October 26th. Yes, we do. Why don't you talk about it since I have a call? <laughs> you have a call. On Monday, October 26th, we have a special Music Biz Live networking and panel discussion that is open to the world. So if you're in Germany or Italia, mm -hmm. you may come here and you may participate in this event. Student Center? It's at the Student Center at William Patterson. We have uh, about three hours in which the first hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes, we'll be networking with five industry veterans. Rob Fusari who's a, mm -hmm. a, uh, an alum and also a friend of the show, and he mm -hmm. wrote for Lady Gaga, won a couple Grammys. Uh, Josh Bernstein, who has been on the show, and Josh uh, produces the Alternative, Alternative Press Music Awards. Right. We have Joanne Kelsey, mm -hmm. VP of Publishing Administration for Razor and Tie. We, we have two more people. Carl Guthrie, Carl Guthrie who does, uh, uh, teaches law and ethics, mm -hmm. entertainment law, business law here at William Patterson. Right. And number five is Dave Phelps. Oh, no. Paul, <laughs> Paul Sinclair, our, our best friend from Atlantic Records, who right. has been on the show three Executive times. Wow. Yes. Of digital. Yes. And he's Great. A, yeah. And uh, then, uh, so it's networking. Uh, students get to sit at these big round tables and they get to sit with these five people individually. We blow, after 10 minutes, we blow a whistle. They rotate to the next person. Mm -hmm. And we do that until everybody gets to talk to these people. We're encouraging all our students to get business cards and LinkedIn profiles and really mm -hmm. assume in a a, a position of professionalism. Great. Love that. And then we're going to have a panel discussion of about an hour long that will be recorded uh, by our friend Bianca Russo, who is the wonderful producer. And that will be a future Music Biz 101 and more radio show and, and what podcast. what time does the pizza come? The pizza will be there. It's there now, actually. Oh, so get there so, before yes. the mold grows. Okay. So there we go. So that's a big thing. And we should also thank the Music Biz Association. 
Uh, we Music Biz is going to Music Biz in the Music City. Save the date for May 16th through the 18th, 2016. We're going to Nashville mm-hmm. with a bunch of students. We're going to interview people. Joe Riccatelli, you ever been to the Music Biz convention? No, I haven't been to that it's one. Formerly it's formerly NARM. The NARM. The old oh, NARM. The yes. former NARM convention. Yes. Okay. NARM. Yes. And um, so we're going there this May. Right. It's in Nashville this year? It's in Nashville. Okay. Yes. Second year in a row that's, that's been there. And Good. we're sort of guests of the Music Biz Association. Yeah. And we're going to get grab people like you. And we're going to have students, actually. And they're going to grab you. And they're going to pull you aside. We're going to interview you for a podcast and future radio show at, on site. And uh, it'll be a great ne- another networking opportunity yeah. for yeah. the students to, mm-hmm. uh, to learn. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. Good. I have nothing more to say. Why That's don't you it. introduce Close Joe down. Riccatelli, who's your who's your best friend in the world, and uh, <laughs> kind of get into... Yes, well, Joe that. has a an illustrious career in the music business, and I'm going to let him basically talk about how he got started, how he is a fine example of there is life after William Patterson University. Yeah, you know, what we were just talking uh, earlier, when the last time I was actually on WPSC was 1985, spring i had the midday show there i was public relations director of the station the fm license had not been granted yet Mm -hmm. there was that weird battle i don't know if you remember this with ramapo high school early on where the frequency was being split oh yeah we so there was like three or four years where they were constantly petitioning the fcc Mm -hmm. they obviously did get it worked out and and 88.7 was official Mm -hmm. and uh for me when i was broadcasting on psc the pub night was always big it was thursday night at Billy Pat's Pub, right. and we broadcast to the dorms, and that was the and the student center. That was pretty much the extent yeah, of it. Yeah. So, um, but my experience there was fantastic because my um, on-air shift and the public relations job got me my internship at at Polygram Records, 1985, and I was hired there right afterwards. When in the promotion department, I was doing college radio promotion, mm-hmm. so I was still dealing with the colleges across the country early on. Went on to do local radio promotion for about three or four years for Polygram, national top 40, uh, VP of radio promotion back in like 91 or 92. And I was made SVP of promotion in 95 for Polygram, for Island Records, I should say. And uh, we were sold to Universal in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left Polygram at that point, started at Jive Records right in the heyday of the pop craze, which was Britney, Backstreet, and Sync, right. and was head of promotion there. Uh, right up to when RCA and Jive merged and um, became general manager of the company uh, a little bit over two years ago, I want to say. And uh, just recently, uh, I'm launching my own uh, label imprint through RCA called Golden Retriever and uh, signed my first artist, uh, a pop artist named Frankie, which will be coming out here shortly, and I'm really excited about that project. Great, great. So what exactly does a general manager do? I oversee three different departments there uh, in particular. I oversee the promotion department, I oversee the licensing department, and um, I oversee the brand marketing division. Ah. Uh, and really, my particular position there is re- is when A&R is finished really with the record or even in some of the A&R process, I'm involved in discussions on the planning of how the record's going to be released or the single's going to be released, mm-hmm. where it's going to be released, how we're going to be working it, and actually executing that plan with uh, my staff. I have about 29 people in my promotion department, six people between the brand marketing and the licensing division as well. Ah, right. So you're still with radio. I still thing. deal with radio on a daily basis. In fact, I just finished a three-and-a-half-hour meeting uh, just before I came up here that was really dealing with our 
marketing agenda right now, and it's got everything on there from the things that are currently out there that we're working like Walk the Moon or L King or getting ready to launch this Pentatonics project that's albums coming out on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, and then also at the same time planning the release for Sia, her second album with us, had a lot of success with the last one, and um, really getting together our big push, which is still between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. Most of our retail is done at that time of the year, as you know, um, and, and that's really it, and it's really looking at things in the beginning of next year but that'll be kind of on the back burner for us but right now it's everything that's really coming over the next 90 mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. and dave you had a question about radio then and radio now yeah i, I wanted to know uh you since you were doing radio promotion back in the early 90s yeah. and radio has changed so much i was in radio with wdh with greater media dhamtr yeah. yeah. for a while sure um but even since I left there, which is about four or five years ago, it's changed dramatically. Could you talk about the radio promotion, how you, how it used to be, and who the players are now, who you're talking to? Because now it's expanded to your iHeartMedias and the Pandora's yeah, sure. and online. Can you kind of get into that? Absolutely. Um, radio promotion back when I was really doing local radio promotion or just really starting in the national format promotion in the... Uh, late 80s, early 90s, was done before SoundScan and BDS were out there. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I'm sure you've done some of these before where you have these conversations with a music executives where that really changed the ball game. Mm-hmm. And I know, Steve, we, you talked about this in the class that you were teaching, really how that changed everything. Sure. And that came in 91 or 92. Both things kind of happened right around the same time, and it really regulated how music business was not only being monetized, but really being able to track it from the standpoint of not calling a retail store and asking them how many records you sold this week, but actually looking at SoundScan numbers where these were numbers that are going across the counter, you know, kind of being scanned. And that's how we were really able to get a handle on exactly what was being sold as opposed to what was being you know, um, shipped. Reported, right. Yeah, or reported. And you always heard these stories of, like, you know, the 70s and 80s where, you know, soundtracks like Saturday Night Fever 2 or those Kiss albums where they were over-shipping them to say, well, we sent a million copies on each right. version of it. No one has any idea how many of those were ever really sold mm-hmm. until SoundScan was invented. The same thing could be said with radio. You had no idea, really, how much your record was being heard or being played because there was no real way, way to, um, to actually track it. And broadcast data systems introduced... Um, technology that allowed you to really look at a real chart Mm -hmm. so you could see exactly how many spins a record was getting played a week at whatever the format was and that really changed the industry dramatically and I think what it ended the era of kind of the family radio generation where all of a sudden companies like Clear Channel or CBS was getting more involved and it was becoming more of a business to where we are now. And uh, companies like iHeart, which, you know, is, is you know, spun off their entertainment division uh, and the iHeart Awards and the iHeart app uh, into becoming more than just about radio. They're about entertainment, period, right now. So my job from a promotion standpoint is instead of just looking at how many spins we're going to have at Z100 on a particular week, it's really spent on strategizing how are we going to really get involved with the iHeart Theater or are we going to play the iHeart Awards or are we going to do the iHeart Festival and, you know, um, different programs that they have like an On the Verge or um, things that they use to kind of um, promote new music. So from my standpoint, it's changed dramatically, you know, over that period, you know, because so, I've really seen it from the old days when I was doing local promotion for Bon Jovi right up to now where, you know, I'm dealing with some of the new stuff. 
Can you explain what you used to do, say, when you talk about local promotion? Kind of explain that to those sure. people. Yeah. Local radio promotion. There, You have about, at that time in the 70s and 80s and 90s, you probably had about a dozen to 14 people across the country that lived geographically in a territory, and their job was really to kind of go from city to city, whether if you lived in the Atlanta market, you were covering Gainesville and Tallahassee and Orlando, uh, you know, uh, West Palm Beach, and you were driving from market to market, taking your records in and really promoting them to the program director on a local level. And um, you were also in charge of dealing with um, the shows when they came to town. Uh, If Bon Jovi or John Cougar Mellencamp or one of those artists were coming into town, you were dealing with the managers and the radio stations, making sure their contest winners were being taken care of backstage if there were contest winners. And, you know, getting the artists to and from radio if they were going to do an on-air interview, you were the liaison for the record company on a local level. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then today, besides, so when you're talking to the iHeart media companies, for example, which is online, plus it is also, and I know you mentioned entertainment, plus it's also terrestrial, you know, free radio. Yeah. And then you have the Pandoras. So can you kind of, do you do anything with Pandora? Well, Pandora's really not, um, Pandora is an algorithm that you base on a song and you as you know you hit the song and it goes and it has more digital subscribers really than any other of the digital medias out there you know more than spotify obviously more than apple music and um it is probably like it's your party tool you know you just go to pandora and you want to hit a specific genre and you hit it and it rolls so that you have nothing to do with well nobody does because really it's not like you're promoting music uh, to them, the music is right. in their library, and what they rotate is just purely based on algorithm that they have programmed in that the computer is going to select how the playlist actually comes out. So there's no label interaction. For example, if I put in a cla- if I type in a classic rock station, there's no, for example, Universal or somebody saying, you know, talking to Pandora. You think in the back room, make sure that we get our clap no. in or no. It's purely done by algorithm. There is no programming done at all as opposed to Sirius XM where there is heavily you know heavy heavy programming involved in how that all nation channel is going to sound or how you know hits one is going to sound um, and they really try to you know break them up so that you can really almost hit every single angle of a particular format um, and so you are involved heavily with promoting something like that you are involved in promoting Spotify um, yeah, the on-demand Sure, all the um, on-demand services. Pandora yeah. to me is not really an on-demand no, service. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, Beats One, we're we're heavily involved with that, and you know our partners, Apple Music, and they've really been able to help pave the way for getting uh, premium services, um, you know, subscribers as opposed to freemium, where we have our biggest problems with companies like SoundCloud um, or even YouTube, where the where the numbers are so small, we're not really able to sustain. So when it comes to Apple Music in particular, you know, uh, Jimmy Iovine's gone on record, and I'm sure you guys have read about it, that, you know, it's really important that we use, take, that we use premium services as opposed to freemium, mm-hmm. where the artists really don't get to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, working with uh, a Beats One is that any different from working with Z One Hundred? Working with Beats One because the way that they really want to program their station, they want to do something here that a format that really has not been. 
I mean, college radio is the closest thing to Beats One that there is because mm-hmm. they are not limited to just playing top forty mainstream radio or just playing hip hop radio or just playing rock radio. You know, Beats One programs themselves a little bit like Radio One in the UK, where you can hear the Rolling Stones into uh, Pink or into Sia or into ASAP Rocky. You know, there's no limitations because they kind of cross all genres, which which is what makes Beats One a lot of fun for a music person to really promote. Because there's no limitations; it could be anything. Remember the Jack? What's well, kind of like which, Jack? Which I was going to say that, that. didn't work. And was... Well, there are markets that still actually have Jack, and it's mm-hmm. kind of really a 35 to 54 male-driven format that is um, not a lot of overhead for radio stations to run because it's all catalog and all library stuff. So there are radio companies like CBS that still do Jack. I don't think there's any in this area, but as I go across the country in promotion, I still see them. Now, I'm mm-hmm. trying to, to remember what station here. It was the chat for a it was, year and uh, a half. It was something. a CBS station. Um, oh, Steve, it was 101.1. 101. It was CBS FM. CBS they FM. turned to yeah. Jack, the Jack, and then they yes. switched That's back right. to the oldies. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything yes. else to talk about? Do you- <laughs> oh, we have a lot. Listen, we're only seven minutes in. <laughs> All right, thank you, Joe Riccatelli. Okay, That's have a good night. You know, see you later. You want to take a tweet now? Enjoy yourself. Yeah, let me, uh, while I get a tweet, uh, independent promotion. Which has been... Independent promotion has changed dramatically since the mid-80s and the 90s into the current situation because since these larger companies like a CBS or a Cumulus or iHeart are owned, uh, publicly owned, independent promotion has kind of gone to the wayside. Now, there are still some formats that will use it. Uh, Latin radio still does use it, and urban radio still does use it to a certain extent. But the major pop formats or rock formats, they've kind of started to move away from it and the difference in savings um with it from what it was in the 80s to now is dramatic for record companies because you know we're not making the money that we were making back then so pretty much everything's got to be cut back when it comes to marketing and promotion okay mm-hmm. we had elena uh, yes, uh we did. shoot elena i can't remember on. her last i'm really I, we have a, we had a, a grad of the program who has done osis indi- what elena osis no, no. Um, we'll get it, but it'll yeah. take a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, but she uh, does independent radio promotion. But but she has mentioned she's not doing it for the pop. She's done it for uh, certain dance genres or classic yeah, rock. She did it, you know, so very uh, distinct EDM. genres. Yeah, right. EDM. Um, it's different, though. Yeah. Elena Lanza. Elena Lanza. Okay. That's Who right, yes. basically at uh, EMI. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a much different uh, field than it was. Okay. We do have a tweet. Carrie will read the tweet to you. <laughs> tweet comes from Megan England. She wants to know, do you think streaming radio will overtake the importance of quote-unquote regular radio? Are you marketing more towards them now? Uh, for us, streaming is going to be the future. We really do believe that. And um, I think the difference between a streaming radio station like a Beats One or a local radio station like Z100, people still really value locality. So if you're in Omaha, Nebraska, you want to sometimes know what's going on on a local level in Omaha as you're driving to and from work, because that still is where most of the radio listening is actually done. And while, you know, I might be driving and put Spotify on my phone and plug it in, it just is probably to get a playlist up or if I want to hear something that's a little bit different or off the beaten path. Um, But there. The one thing I have learned over the years is that 
on the coast in particular, you really do see streaming um, being used more often. But as you start to move to the middle of the country, they still really do um, enjoy their local radio station. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that keeps them grounded. It keeps them close. Mm-hmm. Will it overtake it? Um, it probably will. But will terrestrial radio go away? Probably will not. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it, we're seeing some, well, I'm reading about some not odd things, but really solidifying that this is really an entertainment business, not a music business. For instance, Liberty, Liberty Media owns a third of a live nation. Now, they have 34.4% of the stock. Yeah. And Pandora just spent $450 million um, on ticket flight. Yes. And you say, well, what, what's in it for Pandora? Because Ticketfly will never beat Ticketmaster. I mean, I, I can't see how. I, you know, that that's an interesting purchase to me because I think with Pandora, I think that they in particular really want to be on – they, they do have the largest subscriber base. You can't mm-hmm. beat that. So for Ticketfly, the opportunity or the opportunity maybe for them to be sending out, pushing out – things for Ticketfly may actually help grow that business. But I think with Pandora in particular, they have the labels themselves are still trying to wrestle with the royalty rates that they're granted under. They pay lower than anybody else does. Yeah. And so they're a little bit yeah. of a problem uh, for us. And that's why with labels in particular, we're always trying to do business with everyone because it's just smart to do that. But that's a company in particular that we know we still have our work cut out for us be and try to find some middle ground where it really does work for both parties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to to your point with Liberty, I think for them, you know, being involved in the concert business is lucrative, just the same way that when labels started to work on 360 contracts, you know, they wanted to have a piece of merch, they want to have a piece of touring, they want to have a piece of of everything, because they just know that the sales themselves are not there anymore. Yeah, I mean, that would seem more obvious to me, of course, because they're basically a communication company, media company, and being a piece of Live Nation with all the advertising that goes on and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. It makes makes sense. And that business is thriving. Yeah. The concert business is thriving. Yeah. Um, you want to play something? Yeah, sure. I'll play you something that uh, we're working on right now. Um, we were just talking about Sia, who I'm sure a lot of the listeners do know because she's just a favorite. Uh, she was just announced yesterday. Uh, she's going to be the musical artist on Saturday Night Live with Donald Trump on November the 7th. Oh, great. So she'll be musical artist on that show. Uh, we just started to work on launching this campaign, and it's a project that we're really excited about. It's an artist that's really done well for us overall. So, um, you know, she was with Zero Seven. She had a couple solo records out after that. Um, this track, Alive, is a track that she wrote with Adele, and um, I think you can really hear it in the uh, actual vocal and in the lyric that just powerful voice that she does carry, mm-hmm. and she's one of the mm-hmm. best songwriters I've ever worked with. Here comes Sia. I was born in a thunderstorm. I grew up overnight. I played alone, I played on my own. I survived. Hey, I wanted everything I never had Like the love that comes with life I wore envy and I hated that But I survived 
just lies and you start to cry in your pillow. But I'll survive. Okay, so that's been some Sia. Yeah. And um, you hear that rolling in the beat. Oh, rolling, rolling in the, the deep, deep beat. Goes absolutely. The yeah, that, that was, um, it's a really driving track. Lyrically, we think it's going to do great. Who and uh, Jesse Shackin, who actually did Chandelier off the last record and is working on finalizing this record. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a great team. This is a project that we've been really passionate about. And in fact, I think when I was doing the semester with you, mm-hmm. it was right when we signed Sia. And I may uh-huh. have even played some of the early demos yeah. in your class. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an artist that's really near and dear to me. And um, I'm just excited the way the project is launching. Now you have an imprint, too. I do have an imprint. Um, see it since I was really close to. I was involved in signing Sia to RCA mm-hmm. a few years ago, and it was really successful for Sony overall. And uh, Doug Morris, who uh, is the you know CEO of Sony Music Worldwide, um, gave giving me the opportunity along with uh, Peter Edge and Tom Corson to actually sign my own artist and bring him into into the Golden Retriever RCA family. Mm-hmm. And um, I did sign an artist out of uh, Oakland called Frankie. Uh, she's a straight pop artist. We could play her stuff here when we uh, wrap up later on. Mm-hmm. First single's out now. In fact, she's over in the city doing CMJ. She's got about five showcases this week. Just getting really ready to kind of launch her, taking our time with it. We think we've got some great pop records, um, and we're really excited about that project. Mm-hmm. And kind of found her. The interesting thing is that she was able, through her attorney, to put the song up on Spotify back in February of this year when I took my first meeting with her. I had met her the night after the Grammys. We were in L.A. We had a conversation. Somebody from Universal Publishing introduced me to her. I hit it off with her right away. She played me the song as I was sitting there, and I just, on one listen, I'm like, this record's great. I gotta, we got to have this. Mm-hmm. She, it ended up, she ended up putting up on Spotify a couple days later. It got onto the New Music Tuesday program, which is one of the best ways to really get your music out there mm-hmm. via Spotify. You see immediate reaction with streaming and sharing of the playlists, and um, we we saw big numbers. I saw big numbers the first week after, and I only made me want to go after it really just harder and heavier. And we closed the deal probably in uh, April or May, and um, now we're just getting around to putting the project out. Mm-hmm. Who's doing very well for RCA now? Uh, we're kind of a little bit off cycle because most of the stuff I am working on is uh, on is new artists. So mm-hmm. L King, Walk the Moon, Sia. Uh, I just had a number one record this week at the, on the pop charts with an artist named R City. Mm-hmm. Um, this track is uh, featuring Adam Levine. Did very very well for us overall. Um, we've got some rock projects out there. The Foo Fighters are kind of in between a couple things for us, but we're winding, you know, Dave's project down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to get ready next year. We should have an Usher record coming out, an Alicia Keys record coming out, Pink will come out, Justin Timberlake will wow. come out. So I'll be really busy in the yeah, first half of next year. Exactly. That's kind of where we're headed. Yeah. We should, uh, we need to go to a quick break. Sure. Okay. And then we're going to come back and we're going to actually talk a little bit more about your imprint, 
and the whole structure and how that is and yep. why an imprint and kind of get into the deal of that now. So I think we should talk about 360 deals a little more as well. Sure. Okay. So we'll be right back. Listen to uh, Music Biz 101 or more WPSC Breaker Radio 84.7 WPSC Campus. We've had University You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. So, Dave, we're deep into the semester. How's it going? Great. You've been busy on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock? Yep. Co-hosting Music Biz 101 and more with you. Who have our guests been? Indie artist and alum Lauren Marsh, PR guru George Dassinger, Rosie Lopez, president of Tommy Boy Entertainment, and Adam Kornfeld, Rod Stewart's booking agent. I miss them. Is there any way I can still hear their words of wisdom? Sure. Every show becomes a podcast that you can hear on our website, musicbiz101wp.com, or on the Stitcher mobile app, and it's all free. Who's coming up next? Grammy-winning producer Harry Wanger, Warner VP Dan Goldberg, Sean Rosenberg, the engagement director at Huge. Oh, that's big. <laughs> I get it. The guests keep getting better and better. Our listeners, too. That's Music Biz 101 and more every, every Wednesday, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on 88.7 WPSC Brave New Radio. Listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. Listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. We are back. Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio eighty eight point seven. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp, with the wonderful Doctor Esteban. Mark, Mark Marconi. Yes, we're always here, and we have a. Uh, Joe Riccatelli, who is GM of uh, RC, or is it GM plus VP? EVP, EVP. RCA Records, yeah. Yes, GM means general manager, EVP yep. means executive vice person. Try uh, to get as many titles as you can get in there. Yeah. What does RCA stand for? Radio Corporation of America, uh, okay. started by uh, well, you mean the David Zarnoff. Oh, really? Was it? Uh, it's an American company, though, right? Yeah. I, okay. It started it was here. One of the oldest. I read. Uh, on yes. The so one of two the that oldest, survived right? the. Uh, mm-hmm. It survived the depression. One of like two labels that survived. Yeah, one. it's kind yeah. of been moved around a little bit around yeah. the world and owned, yeah. owned by Bertelsmann there for a while yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah. you know now owned by Sony. So and yeah. when when it was out of favor, it was called the. The Victor Corporation. No, the no. Record Cemetery of America. Remember? Oh, that? really? No, that was that was MCA Music Cemetery of America. It was I MCA? They were both actually. <laughs> yeah, they they were out of favor there for a while. Yeah, it kind yeah. kind of came back in the last decade. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No when I was, uh, I guess it was either with Polygram or with Universal, one of the two. The big EMI for a long time was dead. Was oh yeah. Nothing happened. Right. And the joke was, what was the what's the difference between EMI and the Titanic? 
The joke was the Titanic had a band. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Our Titanic had better music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, also with us besides our producer, Bianca Russo. You're doing great, Bianca, so far. So far, there's room to blow it, but so far you're doing great. We also have Carrier Vito, Rovito, mm-hmm. who is an MBA in music management brand candidate. New. Yeah, brand, brand new. new. Yep. And um, we should ask her, why did you choose William Patterson University? And why are you getting your MBA in music management? I uh, chose Willie P because I heard there's a really good school, it's a really good program. It's also close to where I live, so that was a plus. Um, and I want my MBA because I want to work in the record industry. I love music more than anything. It's my whole life. So It's all about that. It all starts with passion. You yeah, have so to be passionate in the music business. You just And ends with it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So where did you do your undergrad? I went to the College of New Jersey. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you got a degree in? English. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. She talks good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Most of the time. <laughs> right. I try. So right. you've been here six weeks now. Yep. And what do you think? So far, it's pretty awesome. I'm enjoying myself. All right, and you're Learning taking your part-time? Uh, I'm taking three classes. Oh, so you're full-time. almost full-time, Sorry. right? Enjoy. And they think they call 12 credits full-time on the graduate level or nine? Might be nine. Next question. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> Moving on, yeah, because that's, that's really... People care about that. Okay. All right. Let well, us get back to you. you here. Yeah, it's great I'm to have you here. Thank you, Gary. Congratulations. Really, really, really you're the best. Yeah, congratulations for taking the first step mm-hmm. toward many. Back to Joe Riccatelli. All right, Joe. <laughs> Joe, by the way, you have a great radio voice. You did. You were yeah. a DJ here. I, I did afternoons here, yeah, for uh, three years. I did mostly middays. Um, yeah, but but thank you. Yeah, you, have, you have that deep, rich, right. read me a bedtime story, Joe. No problem. Voice, I'll do it later. I, if you don't mind, I'll get it, you I'll got record it. it, and then I'll just play it for myself. Right now. Okay. You mentioned, you used the word imprint, and yeah. you have an imprint called Golden Retriever. Yes. Okay. And uh, Doug Morris didn't just hand it to you, obviously. Can you explain the machinations of how does an executive get an imprint? What is the purpose of this imprint? Because you already have plenty of record labels already. So why would we want an imprint? And what do you do? And, and, and how staffing and money? And it's all a really this. good question because it's very rare for someone who is the head of a promotion department or general manager to have his own imprint inside of the label. But the thing about Doug is, Doug is all about finding hits. Doug wants to have hits. He feels that having more A&R sources gives you a better chance to have hits, gives you a bigger dartboard to throw the dart at. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I don't have a staff underneath me. The staff that will promote those records will be the same promotion staff that I work with as as part of RCA. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's really kind of for me to get my feet wet into this particular area of the business where my expertise or experience is not as much as it is when it comes to marketing and promoting of records, you know, at radio or even at video because I oversee video promotion as well. So um, it's just an opportunity for me to expand because uh, being, and Dr. Marconi knows this from heads of promotion tenures, they're not always that long and i've been now ahead of promotion for over 20 years so that's a pretty long run in that particular position um which is great and i've been blessed because i think i stayed passionate about the job the entire time and i think that that does make a really big difference so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if i'm reading through between the lines doug morris likes you and it he sounds like he's he, he sounds like he's grooming you <laughs> yes. for something more. He's trying to give you more experience that, that's to do it. more things. That's so, exactly right. So right. in three, four years from now, you'll be 
what Tom Corson's doing or something. I, uh, I hope so, yeah. yeah. I hope I have that opportunity. But at the same time, I, I do feel the future of this particular part of the business and industry also relies as management companies grow and get stronger, being able to be a manager, have your artist underneath you, be able to have A&R experience and be able to really record a record. And the thing that most management companies, even some of the strongest ones, the things that they lack are actually having promotion people in that company because they're able to make the records and they're able to work on the touring deals, but actually getting the records played on the radio or really dealing even you know, with, with uh, some of the video channels is something that managers don't really have the experience in. So I actually see the future being more tied into being a management company that has all of these things under their umbrella and therefore you don't even have to split it with the record company so you know that's why i think it's going that way and you used to talk right. about that a lot yeah well it is the you were writing about it last week actually it mm-hmm. is the entertainment company that could be under the artist's name and that's then right. they have distribution through someone whether it be red or whomever and they have management and then they have publishing and they have then their whole live crew and so on and uh as long i still say as long as you're you're you you don't need to be radio friendly to be successful you don't then you can do that but if yeah. you're but if you are a Brittany or you're whomever you need, you need a promotion staff then you need we really need the label yeah you need the label the label really provides that uh, besides marketing as well but mm-hmm. you know those are the things they really do provide and and you're right about the distribution you could do that through an independent distributor and now a streaming is really growing yeah. you don't even really need distribution so much as much anymore as you need a distribution so uh you'll see that changeover probably in the next two to three years where it's more than 50 percent of our business yeah. it's not far away Right, yeah. uh, Based upon what you're talking about, uh, Carrie's going to read a a tweet that kind of touches that. Uh, Ashley Overa writes, Hey, Joe, how important is it for an artist to be on a major label if they want to get radio play? Well, I think that that's really the question. It's, It's kind of airplay is one of the things that the major labels are really able to provide for you now. Recently, there's an example of an independent label, uh, the Major Laser record featuring Mo on the vocal, uh, Lean On. That is run through an independent label. It's the first time that I know of, or I can even remember, where an independent label was able to take a record to number one on the airplay charts as an indie label, and they did it with their own independent promotion staff. Well, um, Malcolm uh, uh, and yeah, but that, that Macklemore was, is a little bit misleading. Yeah. While he, ha, you know, that is his label. Right. The Warner Brothers staff plugged it. I mean, worked plugged the into Warner Brothers. Yeah. right. You know, they worked the record to radio. Right, right. Another tweet. Yes, another tweet. Uh, Valerie Marie writes: uh, PTX official struggles to get on mainstream radio despite having a Grammy and platinum album. How is RCA working to change that? That's uh, that's. Basically, the bane of my existence right now is changing that with with pentatonics. Um, It's a little bit of a struggle in the sense of radio programmers don't see pentatonics the same way they see Major Lazer or the same way they see Ellie Goulding or the same way that they see Justin Bieber. They see a vocal group and they kind of run the other direction. Mm -hmm. So they just don't understand how a vocal group like pentatonics would fit a top 40 radio so the way we we are going about changing it is that we've really worked hard on using the socials that pentatonics has brought to the table when we signed them we signed them because of the youtube following we knew Mm -hmm. what we had invested in and we knew we could take advantage of that and and show 
uh, an audience. And Z100's been great about this because that station actually put Can't Sleep Love on the air out of the box and was the first station to really give us a shot on it. And they're mm-hmm. giving us some good spins. We're getting, you know, 12 or 14 plays a week right now. And the song is showing all the right signs. The tools that we really look at now and something that has changed a lot since the last time I was in doing your class is that Shazam has played in ginormous role in us identifying records that are active people will shazam them immediately so one of the first things that we look for with pentatonics is uh in the marketplace if we're getting 20 plays a week is it shazamming in the market is it ranking inside their top 20 Mm -hmm. and then we look at digital single sales locally and that's a tool that we're able to really look at now and do a drill down on and spotify streams you can actually break your spotify streams down now on a local level as well Mm -hmm. so we have three different tools to look at so we get the record on in a market like nashville where wrvw is playing the song right now about 20 times a week and we're actually really seeing the record react on the air there so i try to take that story and take it to the next city and bring it to green bay wisconsin where they're seeing some reaction or go to minneapolis or go to boston you know these are all markets and the way that we connect the dots is by getting these individual markets to have success and that's actually how you break a hit record Mm-hmm. How much mm-hmm. of that are you doing? And are there? We had talked about local promotion. Are there many of those people around anymore, or are you doing a lot of that? Work? We have a staff of twenty nine in my promotion department right now, and I have eight regional reps or local promotion reps mm-hmm. across the country. Where in the past we talked about it being twelve or fourteen, it's we have eight on our staff right now. And I have a national promotion staff that does nothing but focus on the formats. So they focus on all of the top forty stations on pentatonics across the country. They focus on all the hot AC stations. If they're a national in that particular format, you guys are a format familiar, so we don't have to mm-hmm. really get into it. We have a rock staff, obviously, you know, the old DHA days. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how we uh, we work records still on a formatic and on a local level. It's also true that we're, we're hearing, and we talk about this quite a bit because we have an MBA program, that this business now relies so much on data and be able to read data and see between the lines and data and so on. And maybe that person, the joke used to be that this business is run by a bunch of C students, uh, that maybe that's changing now. And there is spots for people to come in with more, you know, just more uh, able to read numbers and decipher numbers and, and all that. And they're needed now. Yeah, I, I kind of feel, and I think this is what your original question was at the beginning of the interview about the difference between radio promotion in the 90s and now. The fact that we have access to that information, local Shazam, local Spotify, local single sales, digital single sale numbers, every day, everything is in real time. Mm-hmm. So we have analysts, and my staff has to be able to analyze that information. Right now in that backpack down there, I've actually got the top 200 Shazam records in the country. I've got the top 20 songs in five or six markets to look at that information. Mm -hmm. And when we get a record like Pentatonics on the radio, we want to see that happen first and take that information that's available to us on a regular basis that's provided by Shazam, Spotify. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they give us that information. It only helps with them with their product as well um, to get it out there and helps us develop hit records. But it is critical for our staff to be able to look at those numbers, analyze it, and use it to their advantage in the one-on-one meetings that we have with program directors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you, we played a little bit of the new SIA track earlier. Can you kind of explain what your, I guess, radio plan is for a SIA, who's, who's already a larger audience? Actually, let's take away that. A, a brand new artist. You mentioned Frankie, who yeah. you signed. Mm-hmm. What is your process with Frankie? Um, is it, okay, we know we're going to spend a year trying to break Frankie, 
on the radio, and here's what we're going to do. Can you kind of go through the yeah. steps? We're, we're spending the – we signed her in June or July. We've really spent six months working on building her social numbers. We want her to build her, her Twitter following. We what are you want- doing to do that, by the way? Well, we have a digital marketing department okay. that really works directly with her, and we want her to be active in her postings. Mm-hmm. We want her to be on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We want her to be on Snapchat. We want her to kind of get those stories going so she starts to really build a social following so that when we do walk into that radio station, we're not walking in there just to say, will you please play my record? We want to go in there and say, look, she has this many Facebook followers right now. Look at all the likes that she has. Mm-hmm. And we also know that when – and Pentatonix, I'll go back to that example because that's a really good one. They've built up such a loyal following that you've got a Pentatonix uh, follower tweeting us right now asking us a question on how we're going to break the record of radio. Why? Because they want their artist to break. They believe in their artist. They want the record company to do their job, which is to get the record on the radio, something that they can't do as Pentatonix fans. But what they can do is be supportive to Pentatonix and do exactly what they've been doing. So when I am in a Z100, I could say, look at this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's so a strategy. Get, okay. So to continue with, uh, Frankie. Kinda, yeah, so Frankie. So you're building up the socials. We built up the number. socials for six months. We actually, I will be going out on the road, and I've been doing this already for the last couple of months, taking her to markets, introducing her to the program director, let her play acoustically at the radio station. We're doing these events called Frankie Fridays, where we'll have like a happy hour at five o'clock on Friday, and not only have the iHeart station, but we'll have everybody in the marketplace, CBS, iHeart, Cumulus sales departments, all come in, hang out, meet Frankie, let her kind of perform for them, and then we'll go away a little bit for six, eight weeks. We'll come back again and we'll introduce the single, and we'll really make a big push to get that single played on the radio. We know that for an artist like Frankie, airplay will be key for the nature of the song, which you guys will hear here in a minute. Um, and and that's only the beginning. We want her on the road. We want her touring. We want her supporting mm-hmm. uh, artists. It could be something small or something big. We have her playing five CMJ showcases this week. Mm-hmm. CMJ's happening in New York right yeah, now. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've got her doing five showcases this week. So those are the things that we're going to do in advance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's uh, interesting. Um, we do have another tweet, which Carrie will read to you. This one is from Vernon. He wants to know, what would an independent label do to get their song on the radio? I I wouldn't concentrate on radio if I was an independent label. I would concentrate on Spotify, Apple Music, streaming. I would really just work on getting the streaming numbers bigger. I think that radio will still give independent labels a harder time than they will major labels because... Big radio companies ultimately want to see success for the songs that they're backing on a national level. There's some kind of um, self, um, you know, self belief that if they play a record, they want everybody to play the record mm. besides that one radio station, and they they know that the major labels do have a lot to do with that success across the country, and a format in particular that really suffers from not really getting independent airplay is country radio. They rarely ever play independent artists because they just want to focus on the labels that they believe will deliver the singles all the way home. Mm -hmm. So it's really tricky to get independent labels played on major radio, major chain radio. Can we uh, switch gears a little bit uh, and talk about the 360 deal? Yeah. Uh, What do you guys call it 
at, uh, at RCA. I know Atlantic calls it extended rights deals. So uh, I don't know if you have any uh, special Yeah, it's lingo. probably the same thing, extended rights. It's something mm-hmm. similar to that. It's not called a 360 anymore. And I think that the deal itself has changed over the years where it is something that we do want to really be able to be involved with because we feel that from a marketing standpoint that if we're out there spending the time, money, effort, marketing and developing the project, we should be able to share in all of the revenue that comes in. But the truth is that for those kinds of deals to be successful, it's a three to five, sometimes five to seven year plan because these artists still have to build up touring bases. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I also feel that you're never going to really be able to negotiate uh, an extended rights deal with an artist that's already established because they're going to be like, well, why am I going to give you a piece of my touring? I've already developed it. Mm-hmm. So it's really all about new artists for the most part that really are in, involved in it. And, um, you know, we are seeing now some fruits of our labor with uh, artists like Walk the Moon where we share a little bit of the touring and the merchandise. And that's been something we've been working on, though, for over four years now. So, um, and so these multiple rights deals are usually have a longer term. They them. do have a longer term, yeah. But we nego- renegotiate them because Walk the Moon's coming off a very successful single, obviously, mm-hmm. this year, the number two most played song in, in 2015. So we're going to have to go back and look at that deal and try to make it really right for them at the same time. Yeah. And they've earned that opportunity. I'm sure that that's what will happen down the road with our business affairs department. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, but that artists earn the right to do that because they yeah. have success. Sure. When you have your imprint, Golden Retriever. I assume you like dogs. Golden Retrievers. Okay. I was going to say Black Labs, but okay. So you like Golden Retrievers. So um, do you put together for an imprint, like a a full business plan for your imprint? And did you present this to them and say, I want to do an imprint. Here's my business plan. And as part of it, uh, we understand that the rules of RCA, for example, are every new artist we sign needs to have some sort of extended rights, and that will carry over to Golden Retriever. Is that kind of how that goes? How did My deal is a little bit different than what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. but what you're really explaining is probably more of how you would have – a, an imprint coming into the company. But since I was already at Sony, mm-hmm. mine is a little bit less complicated than that. I just share really with, with RCA and the JV at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're talking about is how you would actually get a, an imprint deal done with a label if you weren't part of it. So, because you are going to have to write up a business plan, you are going to have to show those things. Not everything is going to be an extended rights deal because there's some deals out there right now that you just aren't able to make that deal on. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's going to be on a case by case basis. Right. And I guess, are you doing, uh, I guess, a pretty big sell job on the artists who have the bargaining power to say, no, I'm not going to give you my publishing or I'm not going to give, uh, I don't want to give up my touring. And then you need to explain, well, here's why it's in your best interests to give us a percentage of the touring because X, Y, Z. Well, that's a really great concept unless somebody else from another competing label is offering them something mm-hmm. that is not extended. Then all of a sudden, right. you've got to adjust right. yourself because you're in a competitive situation right. when you're trying to sign an artist. Um, uh, Ju- Julie Greenwald was pretty emphatic saying, uh, why wouldn't you partner with me? That's the term she used. Of course. When she was talking about yeah. multiple rights deals. Said, sure. I can't see a reason why you wouldn't want to partner with us. Uh, especially with what they have to offer. And I think in the case, I, I mean, I don't know the depth of all of their deals. I'm right. sure there are some mm-hmm. where that is involved. And mm-hmm. uh, they just signed the War on Drugs recently. If you're the War on Drugs, why are you going to give up your touring? You yeah. just played Radio City without Atlantic Records. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, so back to management. 
the most important person for the artist anyway yeah is a strong manager that knows the business yeah not just the touring part of the business right. but knows you know the record business side of it or right. you know knows the publishing side well, of it which at, is at also new music weird. seminar this summer kevin lyles who's more into management now than he's a former promotion person he said yeah he said be a professor at everything be a professor at everything. That's what he said. I can tell you if you want to be a manager. Sure. Be a professor at everything. Yeah. Which was an interesting comment, if you remember. I wasn't there that day. Oh, that's we right. We were different days. We were fighting. Swimming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, does he want to play Frankie? Yeah, uh, yeah, because we have about three minutes left. Why don't we play a little bit of Frankie, and then we'll talk over Frankie at the end as we say goodbye. So he's he's pulling Frankie up on his yes, cellular telephone. Oh, it's eight fifty six. Yeah, so we're we are definitely Cupertino, right? Yes, in, yes. In Cupertino, it's five fifty six, and oh. in uh, Maui, it's even earlier than that. So we have plenty of show left then. Well, yeah. Negotiation going back and forth. Bianca Russo. She's producer. doing her job. She wants to make sure it's clean. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Very good, Bianca. We played a uh, song that we were concerned that it wouldn't be clean a few weeks ago. The Lons Pierce. I drop in center stage, I know, oh. But ever since Cupid walked past, he and me once like a heart attack so fast. And I just couldn't let you go. Ooh, boy, I'm sick of that nickel and Okay, Joe. Yeah. So what is it about Frankie that attracted you and made you want to sign her? Well, when when I met her right after the Grammys and we were just having a conversation, I just there was chemistry that I felt with her as an artist. I think it's about knowing that the artist you're signing is a winner and I just felt that electricity right away. And then when I really I've probably been in a hundred of these meetings. Never does it go that great where you put on the headset and you're listening. She, she gave me the earbuds sitting at the table. I want you to listen to this song. I'm like, oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. So I put it on, and on one listen, I'm like, wow, this is great. We have to have this. Because it also fits in the wheelhouse of what I do very well as a promotion person. So my pitch to her at Golden Retriever is I'm one of the best promotion people in the business. You want to sign to me or you want to be part of the RCA and sign to me because of the fact that I will get your record on the radio. Wow. So, That's great. Um, and hopefully that'll happen. <laughs> I'm the, not a liar. <laughs> the Mark Cuban right over there, your Shark Tank. Exactly. That's what it sounds like. But that, that's great. Uh, we, we need to wrap it up because we have about 49 seconds left in the show. So we should do some thanks, Dr. Stevens. Do you want to do the first thank you of the night? No, I want to know what's happening next Monday. Uh, next Wednesday. Monday, Linda Lawrence, who is the... Wednesday. Next Wednesday, Linda Lawrence, who is the VP of CSAC, one of the performance rights organizations, will be right. here. And that Good. is going to be excellent. And we had um, a few weeks ago... We had uh, Harry Fox's 
Michael CEO. Simon, the president of Harry Fox. So we're right. getting into the publishing. So we'll we got see the radio. Maybe her side of why CSAC did that deal. Yes, uh, that's right, because CSAC bought uh, Harry Fox a while back mm-hmm. uh, this summer. So here we go. So we need to thank Joe Riccatelli. Joe Riccatelli. Yeah. Thank Joe you, guys. Riccatelli. I had a great time. Excellent. Had a heck of a time with Joe Riccatelli. We want to thank Harry Rovito, the MBA student. Harry Rovito. Doing great. We want to thank Bianca Russo, who is the yes. producer extraordinaire with and a silent E at the end. time when Spencer's here, we can... Shut him up a little bit. That's so right. Yeah. Spencer, you got to stop talking over yeah. there. Sp- really? Spencer Scott of IT, who has just been bothering us the entire time. Also, uh, we want to thank Dr. Stephen Marconi, Esteban. And, of course, Professor David Kirk. I am your professor, David Kirk. recommended in one of the steps for another year. That's right. I'm getting closer retention. and closer to owning this place. Huh. That's right. So that is great. So That's thank very you. Very nice letter you received today. I re- a letter from our very nice dean. So yes, there we go. I'm so. Very that guarantees nice. another year of Music Biz 101 and more. No, is, is, not yet. Uh, okay, it's very soon. That's but a, uh, you, one of the steps. You have one, one of the next steps step is I give my money to And the then, dean. of course, the Board of Trustees has to give their stamp of approval. Then, right. and only then, can you say for sure you'll be back okay. if you don't commit a felony. <laughs> That's right. As long as you don't. As I know. Long as you don't. So this has been Music Biz 101 More and Brave New Radio 8.7 WPSC. We want to thank you so much for listening. And as always, we say goodbye to you. But in Spanish, we say adios.